0: Welcome to Carrying Into the Void, the program where we tell each other something weird or maybe scary that we've heard and then try to flip it into something while well, maybe not positive will at least be productive. I'm Jordan Shively.
1: This is Megan Ball.
2: And this is Brock Wilbur. Jordan is back on the show briefly for a stop in before he comes back forever. Jordan. How has life been? <laughs> life has been
0: pretty rough. I mean, like, I think it's been that way for all of us. But, you know, like, sign a contract to write a big-ass book, which I've never done before, and then promptly go into one of the most emotionally devastating years I've ever experienced. So that's great for creativity. Oh, yeah.
1: Perfect for creativity. I'm so
2: fascinated on account of the book because, like, I have other books in, from the same publisher but yours is one that seems to be like heavily graphic uh, in in terms of visuals from start to finish, in addition, like so you've taken on like double the normal work. Sometimes there's an illustrator or something, but you're doing that. Yeah, I don't know if
0: you know this, Brock, but I sometimes just get excited and say yes to everything, and then afterwards I'm like, "Oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> so. I'm doing a book. We're we're on the
2: podcast that you're not on anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I'm aware (laughs) of how these things work, but also like your, your thing is expanding on like years of, of a Twitter account. So like I, every time I think about your book, I'm like, how many hundreds of pages is it currently coming in at? Because in my head it could go 500 or I would buy it at 50. I, I just want to know what your scope and scale is now.
0: <laughs> I would tell you about the scope and scale, but I refuse to say how many
2: pages I've written so far. That's totally fine.
0: I understand <laughs> that could change. So, I mean, I sign up with a real publisher and I what do I immediately do? I offer to do the design myself. And I offer to lay it out myself. And I offer to do all the cover stuff myself. So, of course, I've already taken on the work of three people when I should just be writing. But it's also morphing because at first they were like, just write a book about hot singles. And I was like, what is that? And they had said like, oh, maybe just, you know, the tweets and stuff. But then I was speaking to a friend and they were like, you should do like interstitiary bits that pull all the tweets and stuff together. And then I was like, I could also make the tweets into graphic newspaper pages.
2: Which are gorgeous, but so involved. And now
0: it morphed into it also has recurring sections of a choose your own adventure about necromancy monks that's
1: my favorite part so far i love that
0: and it it also is going to have all these recurring like snippets of ephemera that like relate to jokes from the twitter account so like they they basically said we want you to write whatever book you want with us and i was like if i'm assuming my first book i need to write it for the people and the the cold flames who have been the fan base that made me get to the point where i was being asked to write a book so this book is kind of like taking all the lore that I've hinted at and pieced together and just made exist through dint of repetition on Twitter like you know like the Carrion Oak and the Mansions of Silence and kind of tying them all into a braided narrative that I hope even if it doesn't work as like a novel it'll work as a moment in a collection of vibes that equal hot singles in your area.
1: I think it sounds amazing. Just like the vignettes that you always have on Twitter. I can say you can expand that to a novel and really just dig your hands and play around with it. I am really excited for it.
2: Yeah. I also know how excited you are to share things with people. Uh, So like every time you do like a, a miniature thread these days of a story, I'm like, that's from the book. He just couldn't work. <laughs> Sometimes it
0: is. Sometimes I do that and then it goes into the book because <laughs> I'm like, I wrote that. I mean, I was well just put it in the book.
2: But also the, that's exactly where I got into stand up instead of like doing screenwriting because it's like, oh, there's an immediate feedback loop. And if you tweet something and like everyone loves it, you're like, that's beloved. And I know it's beloved. That can stay forever. That's why
0: I feel like I'm, I'm like actually pretty far behind in the classical writing career where people have been sending out stories for years and getting them published. Because when I tweet it, then I can't send it out to a publisher. You know, It's lost its first rights of publication. So I can only use it in a book that I'm writing for a publisher who's cool with that. Right. So if I write like a little thread or a poem on Twitter, I've given it to my public, but taken it away from things I can get published. So I think this book is kind of like my dialogue with that, like having a book to write from all those seven years of writing, if you just look at it from like the metric of like writers and authors, I actually don't have anything to show besides a really awesome group of people who follow me and support me. But as far as publishing bibliography goes,
1: publishing's so weird though. Like,
0: it is. I didn't think about this till like a few days ago, actually. One of my first big weird books that I liked as an early 20s was Jeff Vandermeer's City of Saints and Madmen. And he kind of does the same thing I want to do, where it's a book that is seems to be, like, five different books. But when they're put together, they're all a, a snapshot of things going on in this city. Like, part of it is, like, he has, like, this whole section of the book that is, like, a naturalist account about mushrooms. Just, like, straightforward scientific journal. But then later on in the <laughs> book, he has bits about, like, these weird mushroom people coming into town, you know, so like they all tie together. Ah, uh,
2: this is your house of cards. Yeah.
0: I get you. Hopefully once you read it all, you will have a viewpoint into this weird nexus of thought and weirdness and horror. So that's what I've been doing.
2: Jordan, do you have a story for us today?
0: I do not. I had a carrying into the void moment.
2: Yeah, you know what? Let's let's start off there.
0: All right. So this is the carrying into the void for the darkest of years. I'm not going to sugarcoat this. I have no interest in speaking to you through a veil of miles of soft, insulating cotton candy fluff. Shit has been rough. And it will probably get worse before it gets better. There are some bloated corpses that just keep twitching. Some curses that take more than a handful of salt and the knowledge of which oak to whisper your secrets into to banish. But that's okay. You are going to be okay. You who sit there with match-burnt fingertips and bottom-of-the-well-drowned dreams, you who have chipped your claws on the bones of everyone who thought you small and weak until you don't know how much jaw you have left, you are going to be okay. All I need from you is deep breaths. Even down below the water surface, deep in the mud and weeds, we have always been those who welcome that cold hand into our lungs. We are the ones who chew up the choking mouthfuls and smile crimson grins and ask for second helpings. We, me, and you, and every one of us who stand here shattered, crushed, and burned, but not broken, not bowed. We are all the teeth in the never ending jaw of fuck you. We go up right to the edge of the abyss and smile into it. Not because we are letting ourselves go. Not because we have given up and are prepared to sink down to our final slumbers. No, we sneer because we know what the fuck is down there and it does not scare us. It might hurt. It might suck. It might really fucking ruin our year. But it will not be the end of us because you and I, dearest, dark of heart, and endless of teeth, we, in the words of the immortal mountain goats, we will stay alive. Just please stay here with us. Stay alive. A dark and never, ever unending.
1: Oh my god, that's why you're the master at this. That We
2: did 50 episodes! We did 50, the 50
1: episodes. episodes!
2: Holy shit!
0: From something that was just me and Brock talking shit in DMs of like, I'm doing these dumb goth inspiration tweets. And he's like, I like that. We should do something. And then I was like, I could write these all day. And he's like, I'm good at researching things. And "And then it was this.
1: I'm just so proud of the both of you. You have built a podcast that has resonated with people, that has been funny and dark and interesting. And you built it with your own two hands. And I think that's incredible. And you both should feel really proud of what you've built.
2: You are part of it now too, Megan. (laughs) Yeah, you you share some responsibility here. Y-
0: you are part of the bricks and the mortar and the bones that we're grinding up to build these walls.
1: <laughs> I'm just happy I could help while you're writing the book and that I could step in.
0: Um, you think you get to leave when <laughs> I come back?
1: <laughs> what is this, like a cast of Amatolato thing? Am I just being walled up?
0: Oh, 100%. <laughs> we're going to like... Give you cookies and we'll give you like some um, My Chemical Romance tapes in there. <laughs> and then like every once in a while, we'll give you a new d- black hoodie and you're good to go.
1: <laughs> the sad thing is that would probably be great as long as I had Wi-Fi. I know, there. <laughs> you love
0: it. I'd slide some crochet in there for you to do.
1: <laughs> yeah, you really got my number.
2: So um, we got Jordan to come back on for, for episode 50 here. And go back to doing everything he needs to do because he's he's gone now because of his many obligations. Um, I will be back. It just takes time. Yeah, it just takes time. I mean, we're the podcast
0: that took a one-year sabbatical <laughs> in between seasons right. and then still came back and did 20 more episodes.
2: We've all celebrated that we hit 50 episodes and it took only three years of our <laughs> weekly podcast to get there, but it is. But as long as we have you, I do I do have a quick story for the week. And um, Hell Yeah. I want to hear yeah. both your stories. My story for the week is um, about a very rare cryptid called the Shively.
0: Hmm. I, I,
2: I think I'm pronouncing it wrong because I've only seen it written down before.
0: Um, hmm. but, uh, <laughs> Tell us all about this cryptid that is a real one, Brock.
1: Hey, now cryptids—we don't know if they're real or fake. Jordan, you have to be—you have to have faith on this.
2: Okay, I, Jordan Shively, would love to hear about this Shively cryptid. <laughs> Go on, please. Jordan is the rare cryptid that started somewhere else and just won't stop moving. Rumor has it that they once stomped around Missouri, but it's often difficult to track the patterns. Mexico has been listed, but like that migration pattern doesn't make sense. Anyway, our first reported sighting was actually at a monastery. So back then, the Jordan was studying religion. And I think after we reveal where it goes from here, this entry point will seem hilarious to you. Anyway, the story goes that it was about to get like priesthood or something. And at the last minute, it was like, nah, this ain't it, chief. And disappeared into the woods, which uh, for the people there must have been weird. Like, they were there for years with this thing. And then uh, and then it was coming to classes. And all of a sudden it was like, no, you know what? Fuck this shit. And I often wonder about, like, did that give an awakening to somebody else? Like, was one of the teachers, like, watching that and like, uh, okay, that made some valid points. Like, I, I, the woods? Is the woods the answer? Maybe I'll go too. Like, I, I really hope that somebody was at least half pulled in on that. Anyway.
0: I mean, I heard that the teachers just went, you still owe us all of your student loans to this Chibley. I mean, that's what I've heard.
2: It, it is good that there be at least one cryptid, uh, uh, the representative saint of student debt. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, there's some time that we lost around there. And, there, and then there are reports that the Jordan uh, arrived in Minneapolis, uh, which again, like, show me the underground tunnels that allowed this. It's weird that they would make it that far. Anyway, it, it, it had mated. In that period, with an with a different, smaller but more ferocious Jordan, uh, which much is much more I mean, ferocious. I don't know where that one comes from. <laughs> Way cooler and, from what I've heard, smoking hot. Much more ferocious. One that you do not cross. Like this one, I feel like you could cross. Uh, but here's the part I love. Uh, so it's like our very first, very north version of like of a, like a Krampus. So like, no matter what happens, when someone does bad in the world, the Jordan will show up and very loudly proclaim their name being added to the list of bad. Uh, and it, it'll make sure that everyone else knows uh, very loudly. But also, it isn't like a weird scold about this. It also has these very complicated foundations. Like, there's there's no one out there that doesn't believe in Jordan, I guess is the best way to put it. Not just in existence, but in theory and in mission statement. And that's uh, constantly being backed up where there's like, Okay, there's this like Johnny Appleseed aspect of the Jordan, where if you have—I've heard crypt-
0: there's a lot of publishers of spec fic magazines who very much do not believe in the Jordan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but for but for so many others, it's like if you have a creative project that needs a voice from beyond time and space uh, to bellow some shit into it, uh, like it'll just show up. It it hears its calling, and in that way, it's it's the only cryptid that keeps. Walking out of the dark to sort of wave and be like, hello there, and then leave some parchment paper on the ground for duplication. And then that essentially aids younger artists, and then it smiles and goes back into the woods. But, uh, you know, it's it's fascinating, and quite frankly, there should be more reporting on the subject. Anyway, this is my, um, my caring for the day. You may find yourself walking through the woods one day, as we all do from time to time, and there are encounters you expect, and there are those that you don't. Oh, and there's a tree. Oh, check it out, there's a bird. Oh, there's something that doesn't belong here at all, and at first you can be startled, as would be the natural inclination, by the thing in your path that you did not plan on. The much more upsetting, bizarre, horrifying scenario is when the thing extends a hand. When it says, hey, come with me if only for a bit, you have no real reason to say no, whereas this newness, it, it does. It has probably seen you for who you are, and honestly, if you didn't say yes, you would be a little shaken by such a kind offer. But if you take the hand and there's something unplottable in your future, it's there. You might see a beautiful endpoint on the horizon, or you might see an endless path be set on all sides by the pros and cons that you would and would not expect, but it's worth this part of the trip. This part of the trip often has the new thing not by your side. In fact, for stretches, it isn't there at all. But even in that absence, you know it's still there in a form. No, the best part is that this isn't your journey alone. The spirit of guidance also has, quite frankly, No idea where it's fucking going. This is not a return trip for it. This is the first time for it to walk this direction as well. So when you cross a river or build shelter or hunt and taste the blood of the kill, it is impressed by you. Uh, But when you watch it burst with wings and sail into the night sky or summon locusts to sing an unholy song, you get to brim with such unfound confidence and celebration as well that you celebrate from within it. Always take the hand of someone who believes that you can be better, that it can make you better but never turn down the hand of someone that you can watch blossom from afar.
0: Aww, Brock. I mean, that's <laughs> just about a cryptid. I don't know. yeah, Just about some, some cryptid.
1: I just love the Johnny Appleseed narrative because in my head, I just see Jordan going around with a basket of teeth and planting them.
2: <laughs> but I thought that was just a cryptid called the Chibley. Look, if anyone watches a TTRPG, like Kickstarter, Jordan will be there. <laughs> He is always a stretch goal, no matter what. (laughs) I loved your caring moment, Brock. No. Yes, I did. No, you made a silly voice afterwards, which I know means that you're playing it off.
0: No, I'm playing it (laughs) off because it was actually emotional. Because it was, guys, audience, I'm going to, spoilers. It was about me.
1: No, the hell you say.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It was very sweet. Megan, do you have a story for us today? I do have
1: a story, but it's not half as cool as that. I didn't know that we were going to mythologize Jordan today, or else I would have written something better. I
0: didn't know we were. I would have mythologized you two fuckers.
1: No. Oh, God. Okay, (laughs) we'll leave that for episode 100. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had kind of a similar thing. It is a cryptid. It does live in the woods, um, but it's not half as cool. But I had a story today about a creature called the Hugh Gag. It is an imaginary creature made up primarily by lumberjacks in the late 1800s and early 1900s. And it's kind of like, you know what a snipe hunt is? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that, where it's a creature that everyone knows is fake.
2: But for men with axes, that's that's a, that's a significantly different experience, I think. You should probably clarify for the, the audience <laughs> what a snipe hunt is. Were you ever hated by uh, your grade school friends in the Midwest? You know what we're talking about.
1: (laughs) Yeah. A snipe hunt is when you're told to go look for an imaginary creature that does not exist. And in like Boy Scouts or like Girl Scouts or like, you know, when you go to like summer camp or whatever. So it's just a fake creature. All the adults know it's fake and all the children are like, oh, shit, we got to go find this thing.
0: And it, it's just like in the kitchen when you send the new guy to find the canned air or the left-handed spatulas in the basement.
1: Amazing.
2: Did not know about those. That
1: canned air.
0: And not the kind of canned air that actually exists. We're like, oh, we need two cans of steam. They're in the basement. Can you go find them?
2: Okay. Steam tracks. Because I was like, I am i don't know that much about a kitchen, but I'm fairly certain that that actually exists. So <laughs> I was like, you, Jordan's actually getting me here a second time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, like, th- this this prank existed before, I think, the canned air for computer keyboards existed.
1: <laughs> well, so these this creature is like a snipe hunt where everyone knew it was fake, but the people who were there in the woods decided to mess with newbies on the crew or, like, people who had just um, come in from different forests or locations. And so they said that this creature was real. Mostly what people think is that it's what people kind of thought when they saw moose or elk for the first time. Because the woods they used to have back in, like, the late 1800s are much different than the woods we have now. They're older growth. They are denser and darker and deeper. So there's a lot of creatures in there that if you're coming from, like, Connecticut to go to, like, Wisconsin, you've never seen, like, a moose. Um, So the Hugh Gag was described as having jointless legs and having a long upper lip, which prevented it from grazing. And so it would have to sleep standing up. Leaning up against a tree.
2: How did it eat?
1: It ate from the branches above it, and the tr- the lip was apparently to like help it get like pine cones and not get stunned by like bees and stuff. I mean, this is the lumberjacks who are creating this. They're not thinking about like the etymology of like what this creature eats. They just saw a moose one day in the woods and were like, "Oh my god, what the hell is that?"
2: Speaking of etymology, the translation of it is actually uh, "inevitable hug." Ooh. Amazing. <laughs> Which makes it seem like it should be more of one of the things that we've talked about before, like Hug and Molly, that uh, hugs children uh, to death.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: I think I
0: need to write that, that phrase down. Inevitable hug. So,
2: yeah, the inevitable yeah. hug being like a creature that just can't sleep on the ground, it feels like a waste.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? So it belongs to a wider category of cryptids called fearsome critters, which were all made up by lumberjacks and logging crews. This also includes Paul Bunyan and Johnny Appleseed, who we spoke about earlier. Um, the other types Bastard. of <laughs> the other types of animals involved in this are the axe handle hound, which ate axes left unattended by lazy lumberjacks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Galawacus, a fierce creature resembling a combination of a panther, a lion, and a bear. The hide behind, which would seize unwary lumberjacks and devour them and were said to be so swift they could hide behind the nearest tree before a man turned around to see them.
2: I love that one. I know, that one's that great. One, that, that one's actually creepy. Something called The Hide Behind.
1: The Hide Behind. Um, there was the Squonk.
2: <laughs> squonk was the last episode that Jordan did of the show as a, as a full-timer. <laughs>
1: was it? I, yeah, I thought it sounded yeah. familiar.
0: We
2: have very much talked about the beautiful, the <laughs> beloved Squonk. Oh, the three of us could agree on the emo creature that dies in its own tears. It's squonk. <laughs> <sucking. laughs> squawk. Squawk. <laughs> no, it's more, it's more like, squawk.
1: Yeah, it, it it reminds me of kind of like an Eeyore type of Oh, yeah, yeah, thing. more
0: defeated. Like, you have to say it like you imagine Chris Carabo would say it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.
1: The last one is the goofus bird, which was a backward <laughs> flying bird that builds its nests upside down
0: i feel like these are just things that children call each other
1: i don't know why this yeah this is you like
0: squonk, you goofus bird
1: could you imagine like <laughs> big lumberjack like you know like the stereotypical idea of like a lumberjack is like some big dude with an axe and like a buffalo check sweater or whatever Yeah,
0: e- eats nails for breakfast and spits out shoe leather for dinner yeah but then he's like kevin
2: you're such a tiddlywink and you're <laughs> yeah. like what is that and he's like Oh, it's like an actual animal, you know, and it's stupid, like Kevin.
0: <laughs> Listen, guys, don't go out there because there's a goofus bird.
1: Yeah, I just, I just love this so much because it's so adorable somehow. But also, like, there's, there's some dude who was like, "Oh, I'm gonna think of a bird that flies backwards," and then there's some other guy who's like, "Nah, I'm gonna think of a guy who like seizes other lumberjacks and eats them." So there's two yeah. very different people.
2: <laughs> the campfire story is went in one of two directions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's very true. It was
0: like, oh, shit, I'm not going to go to sleep. Or, whoa, dude, you're dumb.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it's kind of a shame because they're all such interesting creatures and they don't get the intention that like Bigfoot and stuff does.
2: Except for the goofus bird. <laughs> yeah. The goofus bird is real low effort. That guy phoned it in. <laughs>
0: it's a bird. Yeah. Flies backwards. Anything else? Nope. It's my turn to tell
2: a story. All right, here we go. <laughs> I told you I didn't want to come here, Randy. <laughs> which, which I also buy as coming from like the most hardcore lumberjack that he's like, he's just never had to make up a story before. Like, yeah, I think my grandfather would come up with the goofus bird. Oh, yeah. and then he thinks he and he thinks he nailed it. So
0: anytime he has a friend who like, I'm a writer, he's like, hey, I got a story you might want to use. Yeah. It's
1: about, oh this,
0: it's about this bird. Uh, you think it fly, You think it flies normal? It doesn't.
1: No. They also had one. I didn't write down its name because I thought this was it was too silly. But there was a trout. <laughs> I know. They also thought of a trout that grew fur because the water was too cold. Guys, really?
2: The name is Fur Trout. There's no chance it's not Fur Trout. That just seems practical. I just... That just seems practical.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's why like, you're making birds flying backwards. That seems like it's not going to work. A trout with some fur? Yeah, it's fucking cold, man.
1: (laughs) I should have included it then because I just, I was reading the list and I was like, no. I
0: think that's the most (laughs) logical
2: one out of them all.
1: Not the hide behind?
2: (laughs) Hide behind just seems like a high school kid playing some grab ass. I'm on board for that one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I also have a carrying into the void moment about this creature. Okay, so you're strange. So what? Everyone's a little strange in their own way. Everyone does strange things only they understand. Personal rituals and rites that only have meaning to them. So you're a little weird. Who cares? Being weird is one of the best things you can be, and don't let anyone tell you different. Some people want to tear the weird right out of you because they don't understand it. They find no value in it. They want to drag you down to their boring level because they can't believe in something like you. You don't have to prove to them that you exist, that you are valid and important. Leave them in disbelief when they see you. Wake up and choose chaos. Go forth and be fearsomely, unequivocally weird.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I like fearsomely, unequivocally.
1: Yeah. I just always think that because I once had someone who I think meant this as a compliment, but called me aggressively weird. And I've always been like, you know what? I I think I am aggressively weird. I think it's it's not a bad thing. I I don't Mm -mm. think that it's...
0: Why would you want to just... Dally in weird,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, who the
0: fuck tourists in weird? <laughs> like, that's just a really weak, watery cup of weird coffee, yeah. You need to be like, you, you are fucking pour over single bean forest weird,
1: yeah, yeah, single
0: bean weird. I, oh I don't think God. that's what they call it, they call it something when it's like from one harvest of coffee, but. I am not a barista. Never have been. <laughs> oh my god. So this is so cool that people have listened to this for 50 episodes.
1: I know. It is.
0: And from some viewpoints, not hated it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you guys did a really cool thing here.
2: Also, I will say that my favorite part is that anyone that uh, had a problem with something trusted us enough to reach out and be like, hey, that thing. Yeah. In the future, maybe don't. And that it was very easy to be like, Thank you for sticking with it. Like I, I don't yeah. think we've had anyone ever not think that our intent wasn't good and not take an opportunity to educate because they knew like they're on board. They're they're above level. They're just here to there's,
0: listen. There's dumbasses who did minimal research. They're not maliciously saying this. <laughs> right. Cause I mean I will say like I haven't read every single book
2: yet. If you start down that path, we're never getting you back to the show. Sorry, I've got to read the whole library from Beauty and the Beast. That's my new thing. (laughs) Oh,
0: is that a a thing?
2: (laughs) I think that that's what you were. I thought that's what you were doing. I was like, please don't read every single book.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just want, want to say thank you to everybody who decided to listen to Three Dummies talking about weird shit and then making up poems at the end we have fun doing it, but it really means a lot
2: in in that extract. That's a really weird version of the thing that we wound up spending three years on. Like yeah. that's not the pitch that we gave to each other in shit talk DMs. Like brah, you want to do poems each week? Yeah, brah. Can they be spooky? Yeah, brah.
0: I think we, I think we originally said like, um, goth horror chicken soup for the soul. God damn it. We did. Yes, it was.
2: Yeah. Shit. And I think I, I may have said gothspirational.
1: Oh no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It was 2018. We only knew each other because a robot stole his shirt about Sufjan's events. We were figuring out the friendship. <laughs> yeah. We, we met through t-shirt
0: piracy.
1: Yes, I remember that.
0: And it's to date the biggest national magazine that's ever I've ever been in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's an important issue.
0: I don't know if that's sad or like cool <laughs> that it's because I lost money.
2: <laughs> well, Meg, you want to take us out? I do. See, I don't know
0: what you guys do anymore. Like, I listen yeah. to it, but I don't listen to the ending because I know the ending.
1: Well, you wrote the ending. It's it's your words, and they're wonderful.
2: I thought maybe you guys were mixing it up. This is so weird to perform your work back to you and be like, I don't know. It's just a blank slate. I'm writing so many other things.
1: <laughs> yeah, now I'm all nervous now. Jordan's going to listen to me re- recite the thing he wrote three years ago.
0: <laughs> Man, change um, it up, guys.
1: Oh, no, that's how that feels wrong, though.
0: <laughs> Make it about cowboy vampires or something.
1: All right, now we're really done. <laughs>
0: Megan writes about cowboy vampires. It's going to be a really good book.
1: <laughs> Megan writes about a lot of things. That's, that's tight for another day.
0: <laughs> you regret having me back on now, don't no, you? No, <laughs> I
1: never regret having you. You are my friend, and I love you, and I'm so glad you came oh. on for episode 50 to your own podcast. <laughs> so.
0: As as busy as I am, I, I miss being here and talking to y'all and shooting the shit. And also, I miss sending out dark words into the abyss to like hopefully rebound down the dark forgotten well of someone's heart that day that maybe needs a rock thrown down to splash and show them there's still something down there
2: speaking about words bouncing out into the nether if you haven't yet please check out our book curtains 84 uh, visions of uh, the end of concerts um it is a thing that all three of us are in me and megan edited at episode 50 i think it's well worth noting that like a solid two thirds of the people in that book are there because they were a participant or a listener to this show. So like, wow. that doesn't exist without this. And that is a book extension of something that after the 50 episodes over three years, doesn't exist without that. And that is and, uh, so cool. There's, there's credit to go around there. And, and, and thank you, I think especially to the people that came on to guess the people that found this show through, through that, um, I, the the book feels like a nice extension of of something that we started building and will continue to build. So worth worth including that here at the end.
1: Yeah. And also before we finish, I want to give a shout out to the silent fourth member of our group, Will, who does our editing.
0: Will is the best.
1: He is the best. He better not edit this out because he deserves the praise. He does a great job.
0: In the words of the youth these days, a cutie pie.
1: He is the best. And we love him as well. And he is the silent fourth member of this little group we have
0: and possibly the most important member because
1: because he makes us sound competent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if we're talking about books, let me just say, I also have a book that is still in pre-orders right now, which yes. would be awesome if people checked out. It is my hot singles in your area book and it is for pre-orders up on unbound.com. And you can just go there and search hot singles in your area Or you can go to my Twitter, which is at hottest singles, dread singles, and there's a bunch of links or jordanshively.com. Because I don't get paid if it doesn't oversell.
1: (laughs) Yes, please, everyone, pre-order Jordan's book. It is a good thing to do, and it'll make you happy. It will. It will. Guaranteed. (laughs) Um. (laughs) I I
0: can't tell you which of your teeth. We'll let you know, but one of them will.
1: You'll just wake up one night at 3 a.m. and you'll know the knowledge. You'll just yeah. have it.
0: I'm not going to say one of your teeth will become like a soft bean mushed between your tongue, but maybe.
1: All right, now we that is the most horrifying thing you might have ever said.
0: All right, no. take us out, Meg.
1: <laughs> yep, All right. <laughs> And remember, keep your hearts dark and true and your teeth sharp and many. And we will see you next time in The Void. Bye. Bye. Bye.